of the little mermaid this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by ellie the snow queen and other stories by hans christian andersen translated by h b paul the little mermaid part two when the sisters rose arm in arm through the water in this way the youngest sister would stand quite alone looking after them ready to cry only the mermaids have no tears and therefore they suffer more oh were i but fifteen years old said she i know that i shall love the world up there and all the people who live in it at last she reached her fifteenth year well now you are grown up said the old dowager her grandmother so you must let me adorn you like your other sisters and she placed a wreath of white lilies in her hair and every flower leaf was half a pearl then the old lady ordered eight great oysters to attach themselves to the tail of the princess to show her high rank but they hurt me so said the little mermaid pride must suffer pain replied the old lady oh how gladly she would have shaken off all this grandeur and laid aside the heavy wreath the red flowers in her own garden would have suited her much better but she could not help herself so she said farewell and rose as lightly as a bubble to the surface of the water the sun had just set as she raised her head above the waves but the clouds were tinted with crimson and gold and through the glimmering twilight beamed the evening star in all its beauty the sea was calm and the air mild and fresh a large ship with three masts lay becalmed on the water with only one sail set for not the breeze stiffed and the sailors sat idle on deck or amongst the rigging there was music and song on board and as darkness came on a hundred colored lanterns were lighted as if the flags of all nations waved in the air the little mermaid swam close to the cabin windows and now and then as the waves lifted her up she could look in through the clear glass window panes and see a number of well-dressed people within among them was a young prince the most beautiful of all with large black eyes he was sixteen years of age and his birthday was being kept with much rejoicing the sailors were dancing on deck but when the prince came out of the cabin more than a hundred rockets rose in the air making it as bright as day the little mermaid was so startled that she dived under water and when she again stretched out her head it appeared as if all the stars of heaven were falling around her she had never seen such fireworks before great suns spurted fire about splendid fireflies flew into the blue air and everything was reflected in the clear calm sea beneath the ship itself was so brightly illuminated that all the people and even the smallest rope could be distinctly and plainly seen and how handsome the young prince looked as he pressed the hands of all present and smiled at them while the music resounded through the clear night air it was very late yet the little mermaid could not take her eyes from the ship or from the beautiful prince the colored lanterns had been extinguished no more rockets rose in the air and the cannon had ceased firing but the sea became restless and a moaning grumbling sound could be heard beneath the waves still the little mermaid remained by the cabin window rocking up and down on the water which enabled her to look in after a while the sails were quickly unfurled and the noble ship continued her passage but soon the waves rose higher heavy clouds darkened the sky and lightning appeared in the distance a dreadful storm was approaching once more the sails were reefed and the great ship pursued her flying course over the raging sea the waves rose mountains high as if they would have overtopped the mast but the ship dived like a swarm between them and then under the lashing of the sea as it broke over the deck the main mast snapped the thunder like a reed the ship lay over on her side and the water rushed in the little mermaid now perceived that the crew were in danger 
Even she herself was obliged to be careful to avoid the beams and planks of the wreck, which lay scattered on the water. At one moment it was so pitch dark that she could not see a single object, but a flash of lightning revealed the whole scene. She could see everyone who had been on board excepting the prince. When the ship parted, she had seen him sink into the deep waves, and she was glad, for she thought he would now be with her, and then she remembered that human beings could not live in the water, so that when he got down to her father's palace he would be quite dead. But he must not die, so she swam about among the beams and planks which strewed the surface of the sea, forgetting that they could crush her to pieces. Then she dived deeply under the dark waters, rising and falling with the waves, till at length she managed to reach the young prince, who was fast losing the power of swimming in that stormy sea. His limbs were failing him, his beautiful eyes were closed, and he would have died had not the little mermaid come to his assistance. She held his head above the water, and let the waves drift them where they would. In the morning the storm had ceased, but of the ship not a single fragment could be seen. The sun rose up red and glowing from the water, and its beams brought back the hue of health to the prince's cheeks, but his eyes remained closed. The mermaid kissed his high, smooth forehead, and stroked back his wet hair. He seemed to her like the marble stature in her little garden, and she kissed him again, and wished that he might live. Presently they came in sight of land. She saw lofty blue mountains, on which the white snow rested as if a flock of swans were lying upon them. Near the coast were beautiful green forests, and close by stood a large building, whether a church or a convent, she could not tell. Orange and citron trees grew in the garden, and before the door stood lofty palms. The sea here formed a little bay, in which the water was quite still but very deep. So she swam with the handsome prince to the beach, which was covered with fine white sand, and there she laid him in the warm sunshine, taking care to raise his head higher than his body. Then bells sounded in the large white building, and a number of young girls came into the garden. The little mermaid swam out farther from the shore and placed herself between some high rocks that rose out of the water. Then she covered her head and neck with the foam of the sea, so that her little face might not be seen, and watched to see what would become of the poor prince. She did not wait long before she saw a young girl approach the spot where he lay. She seemed frightened at first, but only for a moment. Then she fetched a number of people, and the mermaid saw that the prince came to life again, and smiled upon those who stood around him. But to her he sent no smile. He knew not that she had saved him. This made her very unhappy, and when he was led away into the great building, she dived down sorrowfully into the water, and returned to her father's castle. She had always been silent and thoughtful, and now she was more so than ever. Her sisters asked her what she had seen during her first visit to the surface of the water, but she would tell them nothing. Many an evening and morning did she rise to the place where she had left the prince. She saw the fruits in the garden ripen till they were gathered. The snow on the tops of the mountains melted away, but she never saw the prince, and therefore she returned home, always more sorrowful than before. It was her only comfort to sit in her own little garden and fling her arm around the beautiful marble stature, which was like the prince. But she gave up tending her flowers, and they grew in wild confusion over the path, twining their long leaves and stems around the branches of the trees, so that the whole place became dark and gloomy. At length she could bear it no longer, and told one of her sisters all about it. Then the others heard the secret, and very soon it became known to two mermaids whose intimate friend happened to know who the prince was. She had also seen the festival on board the ship, and she told them where the prince came from, and where his palace stood. "'Come on, little sister,' said the other princesses. Then they entwined their arms and rose up in a long row to the surface of the water, 
close by the spot where they knew the prince's palace stood it was built of bright yellow shining stone with long flights of marble steps one of which reached quite down to the sea splendid gilded cupolas rose over the roof and between the pillars that surrounded the whole building stood lifelike statues of marble through the clear crystal of the lofty windows could be seen noble homes with costly silk curtains and hangings of tapestry while the walls were covered with beautiful paintings which were a pleasure to look at in the centre of the largest saloon a fountain threw its sparkling jets high into the glass cupola of the ceiling through which the sun shone down upon the water and upon the beautiful plants growing around the basin of the fountain now that she knew where he lived she spent many a morning and many a night on the water near the palace she would swim much nearer to the shore than any of the others ventured to do indeed once she went quite up the narrow channel under the marble balcony which threw a broad shadow on the water here she would sit and watch the young prince who thought himself quite alone in the bright moonlight she saw him many times of an evening sailing in a pleasant boat with music playing and flags waving she peeped out from among the green rushes and if the wind caught her long silvery white veil those who saw it believed it to be a swan spreading out its wings on many a night too when the fishermen with their torches were out at sea she heard them relate so many good things about the doings of the young prince that she was glad she had saved his life when he had been tossed about half dead on the waves and she remembered that his head had rested on her bosom and how heartily she had kissed him but he knew nothing of all this and could not even dream of her she grew more and more fond of human beings and wished more and more to be able to wander about with those whose world seemed to be so much larger than her own they could fly over the sea in ships and mount high hills which were far above the clouds and the lands they possessed the woods and fields stretched far away beyond the reach of her sight there was so much that she wished to know and her sisters were unable to answer all her questions then she applied to her old grandmother who knew all about the upper world which she very rightly called the lands above the sea if human beings are not drowned asked the little mermaid can they live for ever do they never die as we do here in the sea yes replied the old lady they must also die and their term of life is even shorter than ours we sometimes live to three hundred years but when we cease to exist here we only become the foam on the surface of the water and we have not even a grave down here of those we love we have not immortal souls we shall never live again but like the green seaweed when once it has been cut off we can never flourish more human beings on the contrary have a soul which lives for ever lives after the body that has been turned to dust it rises up through the clear pure air beyond the glittering stars as we rise out of the water and behold all the land of the earth so do they rise to unknown and glorious regions which we shall never see why have not we an immortal soul asked the little mermaid mournfully i would give gladly all the hundreds of years that i have to live to be a human being only for one day and to have the hope of knowing the happiness of that glorious world above the stars you must not think of that said the old woman we feel ourselves to be much happier and much better off than human beings so i shall die said the little mermaid and as the foam of the sea i shall be driven about never again to hear the music of the waves or see the pretty flowers nor the red sun is there anything i can do to win an immortal soul no said the old woman unless a man were to love you so much that you were more to him than his father or mother and if all his thoughts and all his love were fixed upon you and the priest placed his right hand in yours and he promised to be true to you here and hereafter then his soul would glide into your body and you would obtain a share in the future happiness of mankind he would give a soul to you and retain his own as well but this can never happen 
A fish's tail, which amongst us is considered so beautiful, is thought on earth to be quite ugly. They do not know any better, and they think it necessary to have two stout props, which they call legs, in order to be handsome. Then the little mermaid sighed and looked sorrowfully at her fish's tail. Let us be happy, said the old lady, and that and spring about during the three hundred years that we have to live, which is really quite long enough. After that we can rest ourselves all the better. This evening we are going to have a court ball. End of part two of The Little Mermaid Recording by Ellie March 2010